Welcome to Opinion Havers, a movie podcast for all the Scars Guards. I'm Cody. And I'm Tyler. Tyler, what did we watch? We watched John Wick Chapter 4. Oh, yeah, we did. Tyler, what a... Do you remember remember John Wick 3? Yes. Remember John Wick Parabellum? Well, this is a sequel. Tyler, do you remember watching John Wick 3? Yes, because I remember watched the day? it recently. No, do you remember when it came out? Yes. Let me, let me take you back. Okay. The year was whatever year it was, 2018 probably. I don't know. Remember we saw it and then we went to that restaurant? The restaurant with the cheese. What's it called? Rancho Grande. Ranchito Grande. Oh, yes. You know, you, you, you showed me the first Tex-Mex restaurant. I was like, oh, it's pretty good. I like that. It was the first time, Tyler. How does that make you feel? Does it give you the warm giblets? I mean, it's what I expected, Cody. Because here's the secret. All right, Cody, let me take a second. You're, you're bringing up Rancho Grande. Yeah. And I'm going to tell everybody the secret to taking your friends to a restaurant that you love and having them come out and remember it oh, years later. I know. I know the secret, but please share. So I feel like the secret to what your experience with Rancho Grande was I did not go to you and say, Cody, I'm going to blow your mind with Mexican food. I am going to suck your mind wiener with this amazing food. Okay. And that's not what I did. I said, we're going to go here. They're going to give us a lot of mostly Mexican food. Um, and it's made by Mexicans. Fun fact, Cody. And I feel like mm. that's a key point of Tex-Mex or Mexican food. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be good. You know, it's going to be good. It's going to be fair price. It's going to be a good time. And uh, that's what happened. Uh, and then we went there and you're like, this is good. And it is fair priced. And they are Mexican. Yeah. So in short, I feel like the, I set the expectations correctly here. A lot of people, they come out here and they're like, oh, my gosh, this Food is the best. It's going to change your life. And you go there and they take you to like. Like a Neapolitan pizza place. Let me tell you right now, if you're going to take someone to a Neapolitan pizza place, no one's mind has ever words. been oh, blown. Tyler. They burn the oh, bottom. Tyler. They're not good. No, they're good. Dude. They're not going to. It's just not that kind of food, Cody. It can oh, be well, mind-blowingly think, good for Neapolitan pizza. I think you picked a bad example because, mm. look, there's just certain there's certain dishes that are perfect. And they've been around for hundreds of years because they are perfect. And you know what? Neapolitan pizza is one of those. Look, if you're Dave Portnoy, you're saying, hey, the best that Neapolitan pizza can be is a 6.9 out of 10. And you know what? I respect his opinion, but also that's a trash opinion because for me, Neapolitan pizza, when it's made well, is a 9 out of 10. When it's made expertly, it's a 10 out of 10, okay? Neapolitan pizza is a perfect food, much like a street taco is a perfect food, all right? Much like chicken tikka masala is a perfect food, all right? It's just a great dish. It's a great dish, and it's been around. It's been there for a minute and is there for a reason. You know what I'm saying? 
Here's what I'm saying, though, from this part. I'm saying of all the things you listed, it is the one where it's like you're because there's no winning with taking someone to pizza. The best you can hope for is that they like it. Okay. Because everyone's got their favorite pizza. Yeah. And it's not your favorite pizza, Cody. You are out here. The problem is my favorite pizza is Neapolitan pizza. Yeah. And to me, it's like it's the appetizer that I'm like, I don't want to waste my money on it. 90% of the time. You know what I mean? Appetizer. Oh. It's like we went to that Did place. Did I take you to El Lazarone? Yes. This, this, this is exact, uh, this is the exact thing I'm referencing. Yeah. And it was okay. It was very El burnt, Lazar- which I remember you even saying they did burn it more than they normally do. You yeah. said they don't normally burn it that bad. But that's the thing is I'm always yeah. like you put in a coal. It's like they put cold dough in a in a blazing hot oven. And I'm like, um, so it's just a 900 burnt. degree oven. Yeah, but I'm saying like you got to have it room temperature. That's the secret to cooking. Ingredients need to be room temperature. If it's not room temperature, you might as well just be taking a handful of ice, throwing it in the deep fryer. All right. You know, it doesn't turn out well, which is a really fun way to start a fire. Like of all the ways to start a fire, that's the most fun. And here's why it's the most talk about why grease fire is the most fun fire, because it's the most surprising kind of fire. Like all the other kinds of fire, it's like, oh, I was playing around with lighter fluid and there was an open flame. I was an idiot. Oh, there was, you know what I'm saying? That's the one where you're like, you know what? I wasn't playing around with an open flame, but I still made a fire. You know, it's a lot of, it gets you. Yes, yeah. And they are impressive. I would argue that it's one of the most impressive fires to see happen. Also, the oh, just yeah. the horror movie-esque growth of the foam. And the panic in the people that are like, I wonder what's going to happen if I put this fry basket full of ice into a thing in the back of a McDonald's. It's like, well, what's going to happen is that McDonald's isn't going to be there anymore. Yeah. Uh, and then they always are like, what's happening? It's like, what? Isn't that like, I, you know, okay, I've never, full disclosure, Cody, I've never worked in fast food. Oh, okay? you're missing out. Oh, you're but missing from out. From what I understand, they do tell you not to do that and generally show a video of some kind that shows what happens when you put the ice in the deep fryer. I mean, yeah, it's um, it's one of the worst things in terms of like restaurant safety. It's one of the worst things you could do is start a grease fire like that. Yeah. If you want to burn your house down, is the best way to do it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, it's like it's these it's why these guys out here are always blowing their houses up when they're trying to deep fry a turkey. And then yeah, everyone's dude. solution is, well, you always got to do it outside. Here's what I contend to everybody deep frying turkeys. You don't need to do it out. You should probably do it outside. But if your turkey is not frozen, you don't need to do it outside. If you have not overfilled the thing. And you're not trying to put a gigantic five pound block of ice into boiling oil. You're probably not going to burn yeah. anything down. I mean. Yeah, John Oliver did a great bit and they showed all the fire departments um, doing the turkey fire videos, deep fryer turkey videos, because uh, it's every fire department's favorite thing to do around the holidays to be like, oh, my goodness, we get to demonstrate why you shouldn't why you need to be really careful in your deep frying turkey. It's so much fun to watch those videos of the fire departments just blowing up turkeys. It's like 
a new great American past. And people are here watching the the stupid Thanksgiving Day parade. That I'm sorry, I got to break it to you. That parade, along with all other parade, sucks, right? Yeah, it does. But you know what doesn't suck? High five. Watching a turkey explode. So much fun. Oh, just a ball of fun. Just like. Doesn't it warm your heart with holiday cheer to see just a ball of fire, just a greasy ball of flame with a turkey in the middle of it? Okay. Would it surprise you to know that I, I just I have just pulled up a video of the yes. lowering the turkey in. And it's always I love seeing the mechanisms they make. And can I tell well, you just that you can really tell where in the country this fire department is. Based on yeah. how it is, because there's some where it's like, OK, this is in like a field in the middle of like or not. A, yeah, usually. Well, let's say some of them put it in a dry field, which is like you're not very smart. Some of them, it's like, no, no, we're on like an abandoned runway. All right. There is no nothing flammable within a half a mile of where we are right mm-hmm. now. There's a mechanism. Everyone is everyone is a thousand feet away behind bulletproof glass wearing fireproof suits okay the state has been evacuated for this test and then there's some where it's like all right terry go drop this turkey (laughs) just put on your fire jacket you'll be fine but it's just it's just terry in normal shoes and jeans maybe he's got his fire jacket and he's got his helmet on a little loosely and he just drops it in and runs (laughs) and just you know it's, it just really displays the difference of, uh, you know, this this wonderful country of ours. You know? It's amazing. You know, some of them oh, go, they invest proud. like a million dollars into the mechanism to drop the thing in the turkey. And those guys, you know what, Cody, I'll say this. They're never the ones given the spectacular like column of flame that shoots up to the moon. It's Terry. Well, Terry's the yeah. one that's blowing up a building. He's the one that they're yeah. like, oh, my gosh, maybe we shouldn't have done this in the side the fire station and then they burned down a fire station demonstrating it you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. oh yeah. yeah and they also so some j- of them so let it go for a while and some of them immediately put it out and no one wants to see that mm-hmm. <laughs> watch it terry there yeah. he goes <laughs> Sorry. Hey, let me send you a link here just so you yeah can. you gotta drop me a link i'm sending you a you link. know tyler while you're dropping this link, do you want to tell the good people a little summary of John Wick? John chapter four. Wick. Chapter four is. It's a movie. It's about John Wick. All right. Cody, we watched Parabellum. That's the second one where they prepared for war. We watched the third one where stuff happened. Now, this is the fourth one where more stuff is happening. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um. And so it's John Wick, you know, he's, he's excommunicado. He's been betrayed. All right. He's been, he's been, he's been betrayed. He's been sent on the run. Okay. Yeah. And he's there, he's doing stuff. All right. And, uh, Morpheus is there and he's helping him out a little bit. Okay. He gets betrayed. He betrays, you know, does he find love again? Probably not. He could, you know, um, and you know, what's really what the real message of this movie is I need more Donnie. All right. That's the real message of this film is mm-hmm. I want to go back. I want to watch all the it man movies and every other movie that Donnie Yen is in. All right. Yeah. 
Um, I hear you. You know, there's a lot that happens in the movie. It is difficult genuinely to go into too much detail without, because it seems like it very yeah. quickly we get into he spoilers. He, he, he wicks. It's, it's one of those, he wicks. I mean, you know, when it you're talking wick. about dialogue, you got about 10 minutes of dialogue and about three hours of just action, you know? So, I mean, to talk too much about the dialogue, you know, at a certain point, you're just going to spoil the whole thing. And we don't want that. We don't want spoilers. But what I do want is to share my hot take. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go right off the top. People out here, they say things like, oh, well, yeah, the new one, it was great. It was very good. Obviously, the first one's still the best one. I rewatched all of them the week before this movie came out. I'll tell you right now, this is the best John Wick movie. I had to do it. All right. That's my hot take. I loved it. I thought it was the best John Wick yet. What's your hot take, Tyler? Uh, I actually talked to the to Tiffany about this right after the movie, where I will say, I think universally, all John Wick fans can agree that the best movie is the first one. But it is, it's like the first one is a good movie. And then Beyond that, it becomes a cool movie. I think this is a cooler movie in some ways in that it's the fight scenes are bigger, but it is kind of like. Trying to think what's a. More grounded uh, racing movie, right? I I don't know, like be like if there was a really good grounded, realistic with well-written dialogue and well-written like backstory or whatever you know movie about street racing and then being like how would you compare you know fast and furious to that movie it's like well the one that's like well done and more just about normal people in a straight racing community is a better movie mm-hmm. um yeah but which one's more fun which one are you going to watch more often which one are you like excited to pop some popcorn and show somebody it's probably the fast nine like one but that's the thing with the john wick movies is it's like there's not one that i would be more excited than any of the other ones to watch i just think like there's a different the vibe of john wick one is a much lower budget much smaller production much more like it was these guys first thing and it's much more like a labor of love whereas these ones are like we're just gonna go all out and get more and more and more ridiculous like i told tiffany i feel like the john wick movies ramp up exponentially in their insanity where the first one Mm. is all like you can there's a you could believe like you could see this happening it seems there's no absurd stunt in john wick one there's no fight scene that's like you know what a real guy could pull off this fight whereas in two three and four there is plenty you know most of the action is like no this is otherworldly kind of stuff it's just awesome to watch whereas the first one's much more grounded yeah, because they lean more. And I was watching a lot of the back or the backgrounds or the background stuff, the special features about yeah. them talking about the them wanting from the first movie to make this like a graphic novel type feel. And they really mm-hmm. leaned harder into it in the later movies than the first one. Sure. But also the first one, I would say it's such a special movie. I mean, it's kind of like Star Wars, right? My standing on Star Wars is if Star Wars had never come out, but its influence still influenced everything, right? So let's say we have the same movies that we have now. And Star Wars, at the quality it was made, were to come out today, it would be well-received by a group of people, 
but it would be torn apart by critics for how like cheesy and weird the story was. And it would be like, everyone would be like, what the heck kind of universe is this? This is so weird. But at the same time, there's nothing like star Wars. Even today, there's nothing like that universe. Mm-hmm. There's really nothing like you could come at me like, well, Discworld, shut up, nerd. Nobody cares. Or risk ring world. Sorry. Or whatever. I don't know what, you know, nerd thing is, but I, you know, every like giant, sci-fi universe doesn't compare to star wars because it's such a different unique thing so those that original trilogy is so like special in that there's nothing like it there were there definitely was nothing like it at the time with the effects that they were able to do and the care that they put into it you know mm. yeah and i feel like john wick is the same like there was nothing like john wick but now it has influenced fight choreography so much that now you're seeing other studios and other court and other stunt choreographers and other stunt teams copying that style and so they have absolutely set a new bar for an action movie because for a long time the action movie was like like die hard kind of changed the game right it's like oh this action movie is so cool it's so quippy it's so clever um and it's fun and I feel like that was the template for a while. Um, and then you had things like Fast and Furious take off where it's like, it's all absurd spectacle. But John Wick really stepped in and said, hey, um, we love superhero movies. We love all this other stuff you're doing. But what if we did Kung Fu? What if we made Gun Fu the focus of this? And, you know close combat fighting and actually doing the stunts and showing the impact of punches and using guns really creatively in fights and all of that, just like the level of detail they do with the stunts kind of, it was like a challenge to other studios be like, Hey, you may have a bigger budget than us, but we're out here really doing awesome stunts, awesome fight scenes um, in a different way, you know? Yeah. I mean, the best thing, right? Take a second. What? So you, Remember, so John Wick came out in 2014, right? Mm-hmm. So, because I remember the biggest um, comparison. Do you remember the movie that it got compared to most often? Because it came out the same year. No. So the it? other big action movie that, in and of itself, the first of this series, I feel like it also kind of changed the game because it was, it felt as brutal as John Wick did. Mm-hmm. Was Taken 3 came out 2014. And went up against John Wick. And mm. the first Taken movie was like, it was nitty, it was gritty and it was brutal the way that he like killed all those people. But then Taken 3 came out and you saw they have this like one shot of Keanu Reeves wasting 12 assassins. Um, and like they didn't cut, you know, every other time before this, if someone gets shot in the head you cut away as soon as the gun fires, right? That was how it was shot. And you like cut a ton of angles to try to make it look real cool and all that. And these guys were like, what if we just didn't cut? And you just saw this guy, him, this guy gets shot in the head. His head snaps back. He falls. Then another guy attacks. So he's got to turn and fight and we don't cut it all. Cut that with John or taken three, which has like 37 cuts in one scene where he's trying to, not just the scene where he tries to jump over the fence, which that's just cause you know, he's old. And probably couldn't mm-hmm. very well, you know, there's no way he could get over a fence very well, but also like in all the fight scenes, like, have you watched the Bourne movies, which are also like, I feel like held up as they changed the fight choreography. You tried to watch Jason Bourne 
since watching John Wick? I've just se- I've just seen the first one, but um, I and I've seen bits of some of the other ones, and it is it also kind of changed kind of what people were doing with them. But the main thing with that was like, oh, handheld shaky cam. You're like, oh, okay. But also keep in mind, you know, Born, Taken, these are PG-13 movies that are trying to hit a broad market, whereas John Wick was like, we're leaning into the hard R thing, you know? Yeah. Anyway, but what, what were you saying about the Born? Well, the, um, like the choreography or the, not the choreography, the editing of the Born movies is just like the Taken movies. Because the Taken, I think, copied the Bourne editing. They cut, every time he hits, they cut to try to, like, to a different angle, I think, to try to, like, drive home the impact of the punch. But it ends up to where, like, it's so annoying. Like, after watching movies like John Wick and it were influenced by John Wick where they just don't cut. Because nowadays, you know, there's lots of, like, the, I'm 99% certain it came out after but I feel like the movie I remember seeing like, oh my gosh, this is really like John Wick has changed the game was the opening sequence of Winter Soldier. Where he's like mm-hmm. running, the camera follows Captain America through the ship. And did you see that movie in the theater by any chance? Yeah, I believe I did. So the way the audio is mixed, if you've got like a sub or if you remember seeing it in the theater, it sounded like every time he hit somebody, you were like, oh, that guy's dead. Like it's that guy's mm-hmm. he not just knock that guy out like that guy is dead that he was hit by someone like that's as strong, like like a strong as the Hulk and just went sent flying into the ocean. He's gone. He's not making it out of this one. And that's a PG 13 movie, right? But it goes to where you don't necessarily need to have the bone crunchy violence and the blood splatter to keep that same. We're just not going to cut when he hits somebody. So that you see the impact yeah. and feel well, that. That's what's interesting about it. I remember watching a documentary and it talked about Jackie Chan um, and it compared like his Hong Kong action movies to his like American made, you know, the ones that like he directed or was the, like the principal stunt choreographer for versus um, the ones he'd made in America for like Western film companies were different director, different stunt team, et cetera. And it was like totally different. Cause in Hong Kong, you're like, well, you work with Jackie Chan, amazing martial artist, one of the greatest like stunt performers um, of his time. And so he's able to do everything. So when, you know, when it shows him punching someone, you see the whole thing, you know, and then you're like, okay, now it's an American studio doing it. Like, okay, they go to punch, they cut away, they show, you know, and it just, it ends up actually making the shot worse because you're actually not performing the stunt as well, but you're hiding it with the camera work to be like, oh, see, he got punched, you know? And I think that's kind of what John Wick, t- this is kind of what you're saying. That's what John Wick went back to. Now, the difference is if you want to do that, you've got to have a good martial artist. Jackie Chan, amazing martial artist. Keanu Reeves, a very well-respected martial artist, like super committed dude. And, you know, from everything he did in um, Point Break to Speed and the jump he made to do The Matrix, it's like, oh, this guy knows what he's doing. He's worked with amazing stunt teams and done some awesome stunts. This guy knows martial arts. So when you're working with someone like that, you're like, oh, we can actually do this, you know? Whereas if you threw Liam Neeson into the John Wick role, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't look cool because you have to have someone that knows what they're doing and also is going to say, hey, I'm going to do as many of my stunts as I can. If I'm going to hit by a car, my stunt double is going to do that. But 
I can do the judo, the judo rolls and I can do the punches and I know how to use a gun like intimately, you know, and that's what makes these movies work so well. You've got to have someone who's a great martial artist who's going to commit to doing all that. So it looks really good. Yeah. Which I, I love if you watch a lot of the uh, behind the scenes stuff, you with the stunt coordinator earlier, uh, the choreographers and the trainers, they talk about how the first thing they did was go through a bunch of stuff like choreograph, choreograph a bunch of stuff, but also um, train Keanu and pay attention to what he was good at, what looked cool because they talked about like, especially like something like jujitsu, which is featured a lot in the movie. Mm -hmm. It doesn't look impressive if you don't know what you're looking at. It looks like Mm -hmm. just two dudes fall on the floor and then they're just holding each other. But if like, you know what you're looking at, like if you're someone who does jujitsu, it can be super exciting. I mean, it's kind of like, um, I had a cousin who was a super nerd that did karate, you know, but he would go to like those tournaments and, you know, like karate, there's the different styles. And he talked about the, uh, there's the dragon style, which no one gets hit. There's like one hit in a dragon style match, but because it's Mm -hmm. just two dudes smacking away each other's hits. But the second one of those hits lands, the other guy's down, he's down, he's not getting back up, Mm. you know? So that's, it doesn't look that exciting until someone gets hit and then it's over. And then, so it's kind of the same where you have to modify the fighting style so that like you can showcase a move or like make it look like, oh, this is what the move is actually doing, but it's not actually going to perform the thing that the move is meant to do. You're like, you're not going to choke someone out doing this, but it's going to look like you're choking them out. So then doing that and then paying attention to, okay, he's really good. Like the flip move that he does 80 times a movie where he flips someone mm-hmm. and then like goes up, takes them down. They're like, he can do this and make it look impressive. So we're going to build a lot of fights around someone attacking him, him positioning them so that they can, he can do the move and then go in from there. So that's why so many of those fights are built around that because they're like, Oh, you can yeah. nail this every single time. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say, well, do you want to do rants or you just want to keep talking? I know we're like, well I mean, I think that, let's, so. let's, let's transition to the spoiler, to the spoiler zone, spoiler town, Cody, hop into, hop <laughs> on record my, for the yeah. <laughs> longest time spent outside of spoiler town. Hop on my back, hop on my back. We're going to get on this motorcycle. Don't get on the motorcycle. Just get on my back on the motorcycle. We're going to go to spoil spoiler town, USA, Cody. We're going to cruise on down. We're going to go the wrong way around a roundabout, just like everybody in America. Okay. We're gonna go to Spoiler Town, USA. Okay, and we're here. We're here, Cody, and we can spoil this movie as much as we want. Bruce Willis was dead the whole time. All right, spoilers. Oh my goodness, I can't believe I couldn't believe it. I mean, I called it, but also I couldn't believe it. You know. So, um, if you want to do the rants, do you want to just do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? Let me. I got thoughts. Yeah, let let me hit it. I'm ready to go. All right. Here's the thing. I didn't. I normally have the clock up by now. The last like five episodes. This time I yeah. Uh huh. Okay, so. Uh huh. All right. I'm ready. You're buying that patty press. Look, all I right, bought here the we patty go. press. We're not talking about that right <laughs> now. Nope, sorry. We're. I'm ranting now. You're done. All right. You bought a patty press. Everyone knows it now. Look, John Wick Chapter Four. I'll tell you why I think this is the best John Wick movie. Um, first off, everything, every signature of the John Wick franchise they crushed in this movie. They were like, look, if this is going to be the last chapter, which it could be, 
for John Wick, um, we're going to do everything the best we can possible. We're going to have awesome car scenes. We're going to nail John Wick with cars. He's going to hit people with cars. Check. They really ambitious scenes with cars in this movie. Number two, um, we've done horses, we've done dogs. We're going to feature them in this as well, just to show you that we can still do the stuff. Nailed it. Number three, jujitsu throws. We talked about it a little bit. They did the most elaborate and complex jujitsu throws I've ever seen in a movie. And there were some where like he in mid throw, he would be like perched on someone's back. Then he would like pause in the throw, then throw them the other way, turn his hips. And like, you know, there were these like really fascinating pauses and twists and turns in the middle of a roll that turns into a different kind of throw. I don't know that much about jujitsu, but I just having watched all the movies within a week of each other, I was like, oh, my God, the evolution of this is insane. It is so cool what they're doing with the jujitsu throws. The gun foo, just as good as ever, but also like, I don't know, something about the way John Wick wields his guns and then switches weapons and especially the way he reloads. I watch these movies and as the movies go on, he's. You see him, especially in like two and three, he starts doing like when he goes to reload, he just like flicks the magazine out and it goes flying and he puts a new one in. He did it so fast in this movie that I like realized like, oh, he must have just flicked it away because I was distracted by something else. I didn't even he was doing it so quick that it was even like hard to watch on the camera. It was really impressive. And I did see some trivia that like there are instances where during the action scene, John Wick, you know, in his guns jam and they're completely unscripted and Keanu Reeves is able to just roll with it. And he's like, Oh, I can clear the chamber and I can totally fix this. And you know, so if you see that happen in the movie, most of the times it's not scripted. And so, you know, just the reloading and how intricate that is, they stepped it up even further in this movie. Really impressive to watch. Um, so, I mean, a lot of those features of the franchise, I just think, what makes this the best one as good as the first movie is, you know, rewatching it's like, Oh, this is the reason people say it's the best movie is because it's the tightest plot. Like it's got just enough plot to make sense. You know, it's like, Oh, there's this grieving guy. It's so sad. Oh, he's got a dog. Maybe that'll help his heart heal. Oh, the dog has been killed. This is looking bad. Oh, cool. He's like a world-class assassin. Things are going off the rails. Right. And so, it's cool to see an action movie with a backbone with actually a little bit of heart and to see him actually, you know, it's like, Hey, he's actually got a real motivation to do this. And it's cool to see that. That's what makes it the best movie out of the four, except, you know, it doesn't quite know what it is yet. It's an awesome action movie. It's got a backbone to it, which is great. I think it's trying really hard to be like cool and suave, but in a way that it's like, it kind of feels like a 2008 movie or like a movie made in, a different country, but like filmed in English, you know, there's like that little bit of like, this is slightly awkward. This movie's awesome. And the stunts are awesome. And I love the backbone of the movie, but it's not, it doesn't know what it is yet. Whereas, and I feel like in John wick chapter four, they were like, Hey, what do we love about John wick? What do we love about this series? We're just going to do all of that really, really well. And finally, I think the thing they really stepped up, which they they've done well in the last two movies, but they said, we're going to step up the cinematography. I think you kind of called out like, hey, we want it to be like a graphic novel kind of a thing. They nailed the lighting and the cinematography and the blocking of like, you know, when you're not in an action sequence, they're like, hey, we're going to frame some really beautiful shots with really interesting lighting and we're going to make this look just gorgeous. You know, it's one of the prettiest action movies I've ever seen. 
And so I think between them nailing all the between them nailing all of the different uh, features and highlights of the franchise, and also, you know, you talk about it in the first one, it's got this backbone of a plot. This one kind of has a surprise at the end. When the movie ended and it shows him like, it shows him having his flashback of like, I'm free again. And it was like he was being back with his wife again, you know? And you realize like, okay, these all these ridiculous movies, this is what it's culminating to. He just wanted to be free. He wanted to feel like he was with her again. And then he dies. And you're like, wow, what a meaningful way to end a movie that was just all these absurd action sequences. So I think it it does the best of all those things at once. And that's why it's the best John Wick movie. All right. All right. I'm I'm just gonna dive into my oh dang it. I'm just gonna dive into my thing. Okay. That's what we're gonna do here. Okay, you shush. Cody, let me tell you about this movie. Okay. First off, like how dare you betray the first movie by saying this is the best movie. The first one is the best one. This one is better. That's I don't know how else to say it, but that's the most accurate way to put it. Okay. The first one's the best one. This one's better. I mean, it's just like the, like to bring it back around to the Star Wars movies. The first one's the best one. All of the sequels are better in almost every way. But the first one is like the tightest, and then the rest one they get too much. But then it's also more fun. I'll say this: the third here's let's talk about real talk. For third Star Wars movie is the best the episode three. Best Star Wars movie ever made, ever probably will be made. I'll fight your mother, Cody, okay? Let me talk about this, Cody. Let me say, here's the biggest thing. The biggest thing all these nerds talk about, okay? They're like, oh my gosh, they're doing the same thing to Darth Vader. Not to bring it around to Star Wars again, but let's talk about this. Darth Vader sucks in the original trilogy. He's not that scary. He Okay, let's break down Darth Vader for a second, okay? Darth Vader comes in, he walks around, he's big, he's menacing, but he comes in. The first thing menacing that he really does is he chokes a dude, all right? The second time he chokes somebody who's not like an enemy, right? When he tries to be like, no, no, I could kill any of you. He gets told, down boy, by an old fart. We're like, who the heck is this guy, okay? So he's immediately been like, like, you can't use your powers unless these old dudes let you. Okay. And then he gets beaten up by a child. Okay. Let's be real. He gets beaten up and by a kid. Okay. Luke did two and a half days of summer training. And then he comes in like, I'm a Jedi master and lays waste to Vader. And then everybody's like, Vader was terrified. Vader was not terrified. Vader was the crappy villain from the beginning. We all know it. Okay. It's only in explaining it and all the cool extra stuff we get from the Anakin to Vader transition. Anakin Vader in the Obi-Wan show is the most menacing Vader ever was. How dare you try to say that he was scary in that first movie? Okay. John Wick in the same way. He is menacing from the beginning. From the first moment you see him, he's like, you're like, this man could kill me. I thought it from the beginning, Cody, from the first scene. You didn't. I did. Okay. Uh, and I'll say this, Cody, everybody, the reason I brought up Vader is because everyone's like, they explain his backstory, which makes him less cool. How dare you, sir? They never explain that. And people say the same thing about John Wick. They never explain anything. They only add more layers to the world. They never explain a single layer to this world. They just add new stuff. And you really, after the second movie, they don't actually really add that much new stuff. But everybody's like, I don't like all this new stuff. And it just makes the world less mysterious. 
Name one thing they explain. What do you get from John Wick's backstory? He did an impossible task. The most explanation of that, how many did you kill? A lot. That's it. That's the most it's ever expounded on. And he kills three dudes with a pencil. That's the entirety of his backstory. Everything else is just the way people treat him. Okay. So if you think that they have explained John Wick's backstory, you're dumb, your family's dumb, and you should feel bad about yourself. Let's talk about how I did Inception, Cody. I convinced my wife to watch these movies. And when I brought it up that I had told that I had gotten her to watch them, she says it was my idea. I think I won. I think I won marriage. That's what I think has happened here. The fact that I have successfully made her think it was her idea, that's a win. I think all the husbands bow before me because I'd done it, okay? Unintentionally, not maliciously. That's the secret to it, okay? If you do it maliciously, then you're a bad person, okay? You're like Darth Vader. You're just a goober that she deserves to get beat up by your kid after two weeks at summer camp, Okay. Uh, here's the thing. I hate, I have hated since they were introduced in the previous movie and I still hate them. Guess what? The fully armored high table soldiers. I think it's BS to base an entire movie around headshots and then be like, but these guys can't get headshot. What I do appreciate is that in this movie, they did make them more susceptible to getting their bell rung and that totally incapacitating them for a minute. But yeah, if you pop a headshot on these dudes, they're going to be like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm going to die. Because if you come up and hit me in the head with a bat while I'm wearing a base or like a a football helmet, I'm going to feel like I'm going to throw up. Here's the thing. Keanu, he's gotten too into speed shooting. The fact that he could just like clear those chambers, like it's too much. Like he just did it. It's muscle memory. He probably didn't even realize he was doing it. I think here's the key. Let me drop this nugget on you, Cody. I think people were afraid of John Wick at the beginning of the first movie, not because of his reputation and ability to murder them, but because of his relationship to those around him and how much loyalty they had. So they knew no matter what they throw at him, if he can get away, someone will help him. Because they almost kill him oh, so Tyler. many times. I'm going to have to cut you off right there, right in the middle of your point. Um, I think it's a great point, though. And it's kind of tested throughout the series. Oh, man. Because that first movie, largely speaking, right, he does it by himself. There's, but also like. Willem Dafoe is there to help him. Yeah. But see, that's the but other that's, thing, too, right? So, know. like, why are they afraid of him? Because they're like, it's not necessarily that he's unstoppable. He is the best assassin, but even he's susceptible to getting taken out by uh, you throw enough guys at him with no help. He would get killed. But I think this movie of all of them, I feel like showcases a little bit more the fear of the people of like this man has done. He is a different breed. Like most of these assassins are selfish and self-centered and they don't really do much for each other, but he has always been, a good person who is a monster, right? Like, right. He does care about those around him, but he will murder people at the same time. And that has bred this level of loyalty that nobody else in this world can hope to achieve. Sure. You know, where people will sacrifice themselves to help him. Whereas no one else, everyone else in the world is like profoundly selfish. Right. They're all just in it for a coin. Yeah. Um, you said something that I wanted to talk about, and now was I it the Vader stuff. Now I lost it. Was the it what? the Was it the Vader stuff? 
Was it the backstory yeah. stuff? It was, was it the armored much guys? more, much more recent, like two sentences ago. Um, was it the speed shooting, the muscle memory? I don't know what it was. Yeah, no, he's a total freak. Let's talk about this. A couple new things they did add to this one. Um, I wanted to talk about the nunchuck fight because I have a new favorite nunchuck fight, which is awesome because you don't get to see it very often. And let me explain some to you. I have seen Enter the Dragon with Bruce Lee, which is like one of the most famous nunchuck scenes because he's amazing with nunchucks. This John Wick 4 is my new favorite. I think it's better. And here's why. Not that Keanu Reeves is better with nunchucks. But in when Bruce Lee does nunchucks, you're like, this dude is a maniac. He's a master of the nunchuck, and he's so good at it. This one, it's like, John Wick can kind of wield nunchucks, but mostly it's him, like, home run swinging nunchucks at people, and it made me so happy. You know, Bruce Lee does it. It's all these fast hits. It's so flashy. It's so beautiful. And then John Wick, he's like, two-handing it and like slamming people with nunchucks it was a lot of fun to watch and of course they had a couple where it was like he fakes fakes like he's gonna hit you with the nunchucks totally gets him to fall for it hits him somewhere else i mean it was just delightful it was such a i was not expecting to get any nunchuck play in this movie made me real happy i will also say yes oh go ahead go ahead I just, I, they were good, um, counter to the armored dudes that I hated, you know, like, yeah, well, also like through they it. threw the armored dudes at you in the first hour and then they didn't real from what I remember, they didn't, you didn't have to deal with them much the rest of the movie. He was fighting yeah. other people, other kinds of people, which I really liked. Cause like you said, I mean, the armored dudes were kind of cool in the third movie, but it was like this weird thing. Like it was fun that it was like, hey, full metal slugs, good luck. You know, we're dealing with metal slugs now. That'll get through them. But it is kind of a problem, right? To be like, okay, is everyone going to just be armored from now on? And so I like that they're like, hey, let's do a couple of fights with them. Now we're dealing with bows. We're dealing with nunchucks. We're dealing with other stuff to counteract these dudes. And then, you know, the last hour, he's fighting just like random Parisian street thugs, which was... Which- which I appreciated them angle. bringing it back down to that and having, yeah. because then it allowed the dude in the armored suit to feel like more of a threat. It's like, you can't mm-hmm. just shoot this dude. And occasionally someone who did have like an armored jacket would pop up. Yeah. And, uh, but I like the, just like the difference there, right? Where, Trying to think of, you know, like it made it more of a threat. Whereas I, I, it was not a huge fan of that fight. See, Parabellum, where they come in with that and they like did the, because I didn't like the, I liked this movies in, uh, where they had the hotel staff fighting the guys mm-hmm. much, much better than in Parabellum, where it was like, all right, the hotel, the concierges, you know, we're like going to get together, like fight. And then they just all get shot in like two seconds. Everyone but Lance Reddick gets mowed yeah. down. Yeah. And I'm like, these guys, they make these out, you know, they imply that there's a level of these guys can back up their threats. Right. So that's what I always kind of mm-hmm. took. Seth. At the end of the day, probably the best and most hardcore guys are working for these hotels and are there to like, are probably the concierges, right. That I'm, that's the, how I thought about it or mm. how I interpreted it. And to have these guys just get mowed down and then him could be like, we need the check-ins. Whereas like, wouldn't it have been better if like maybe you saw or like if they had 
been ready or maybe see one or two of them die. They fall back. They all get the shotguns. And then it's more of that prolonged. They're slowly losing to attrition. Like there's a there's only well, like 20 of them, but there's like, an unlimited it's like, number it of these reminds other guys. Me of, it reminds me of the best Star Wars movie, Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge yeah. of the Sith, where it's like, oh, cool. We're going to have a really awesome lightsaber duel with centered Palpatine. And then he's like, you're dead. You're dead. All right. Now I'm fighting. You're like, well, hold up. I want to see the cool lightsaber fight with all the people. And it's like, no, no, these Jedi masters, they're a bunch of punks. They're Which dead let's now. talk about like, how but I wanted, it is. <laughs> but I wanted to see the fight at least a little, you know, give yeah. me a little bit of a fight. Which the original um, fight scene, which you can look up, was awesome. Oh, yeah, and they changed yeah, yeah. it, which I, is annoying. I saw I saw something on Twitter about I didn't watch it, but someone was like, hey, you can see the original choreography. Um, yeah. But I wanted it to be like looking at that same movie. Think about the clones going into the temple. And especially as that's referenced throughout further things where it shows the Jedi. If you get a Jedi against maybe three or four clone troopers those troopers don't mm-hmm. stand a freaking chance but it's like one on the one hand those clone troopers are the best of the best they are the most well equipped most well trained like the yeah. 501st was built specifically to kill the jedi like they were pulled the best of the best from all of the other clone units on top of that the size the amount of those guys going in to the amount of jedi it's like you're not it's going the benefit to win of an- of an ambush of a massive battle force. Army. Yeah. Well, it's like if one Jedi dies, you know, you have to kill a thousand clones to make, to counteract one Jedi falling. Like I right. wanted it to be like that. Like there's just where the hopelessness of the fight kind of entered in to where they were just like, it doesn't matter how many we kill. There's just always another well, one. That is something I thought was interesting because I feel like at the end of three, they were kind of teasing, right? The three is parabellum. Mm-hmm. prepare for war i was like oh john wick is going to war with the high table and it's going to become a rebellion of like people are going to side with him and it's going to be like an all-out rebellion war kind of thing and then this movie starts and it's like not really it's just john wick versus the marquis and he's just trying to get his freedom which i think was the right move because at the end of three you're like this is getting so out of hand what's a war between these assassin groups going to even look like so I do mm-hmm. think they did the right thing, but I was under the impression they were going to do five movies. And so I was like, okay, four is going to kind of tease like, hey, maybe he'll kill the first member of the high table. And then five is going to be like, hey, can he kill the rest? Can he take control? Whatever. And I think they did a much smarter thing by making it a much more into, you know, instead of going for all out scale, they're like, hey, it, now it's intimate. And now it's just about John Wick again. And now he's got a very clear mission. And it's how is he going to deal with this with Bill Skarsgård? who I really enjoyed his character. I thought he was great. Um, and for it to go from John Wick 3, where it's like, hey, I'm fighting a whole hotel of armored soldiers and I'm fighting the guys from the raid and I'm, you know, doing this to, um, we're doing a duel. Like the last 15 minutes of the movie is just a duel between John Wick and um, what's his name, you know? at sunrise and you know they made it so much so much more cinematic so much more intimate and they gave a moment for john wick to be once again just like in the first one not really about a ginormous action set piece but hey we're back at john wick's character we're back at his motivation we're back at him with his wife you know i think it was a great move um but that was something i was worried about at the end of three and i thought they did a really good job to to tweak um the focus of four yeah I think the 
the genius thing they did too to justify that, right? Was they mm-hmm. had him roll that showed him, you know, mid like full on war, like I'm gonna kill the entire high table. And he gets to the guy, the elder who sits above the table, like the one person in the world that like is not governed by the high tables rules. Mm-hmm. And it's a different person. And he's like, you know, he was like, I want my ring back. He's like, ring's gone. Just like the guy before me. And then he says, you killing mm-hmm. me is not going to make a difference. Which I feel like does a great job of for all the people like yourself that, and you know, I thought the same thing that it was going to end up him killing, like tearing the system down. But it did a better, it did a, like, I feel like what <laughs> the guys from like Game of Thrones wanted to do with the, you know, the whole like Daenerys storyline where she's like, I'm going to break the wheel. And then it's like, it doesn't matter if you break the wheel, there's another wheel, you know? Yeah. And I think that did a, did a really good job of him just embodying that even if you kill everyone on the table, other people will just make a new table. Right. Killing them all is not going to solve it. Because this world exists, like, as long as this yeah, like, underworld exists, can, this structure will exist. Yeah, the CIA can send in a task force to topple a government, but now you're going to be dealing with whatever gang wants to rise to power and take over the government you put in place. You know, like, there's always going to be some sort of a power vacuum and ready to fill that spot that you're trying to clear out. Yeah. And I like that they've already had tier, teed up, kind of like you said, that power vacuum where he killed the... So there was, you know, in the first movie, he kills the head of the of the Russian mob in New York, which then I like how they use that. Um, but they never really explicitly say this. But if you think about it, right, they talk later in the second and somewhat in the third one about the. Um, so I guess really in the third one, right, where they talk about. Well, now these people are going to come for New York. And then I always thought like, oh, the one person who had the pull and the ability to keep them all from f- trying to take over New York was this guy that he killed. Mm-hmm. You know, him gone created the power vacuum that allowed um, what's his face to be like, I'm going to claim New York as my territory because mm-hmm. had he tried before, he would have been going up against the Russian mob, which is a, an organization that could have resisted him doing that. But with them, mm-hmm. not only did he kill him, but he like killed the entire power structure. Like he killed his successor and he killed like 90% of his guys. And then he goes in and his brother, who's still there, lays a waste to his whole operation just to get his car back. And so it like, yeah, I just like that, that uh, continuity of the world where he like created the power vacuum, which led to the more problems, you know, where he, the yeah. more he kills and- these people, the more issues he makes and the more attention he draws and the more. But they also made a good job yeah. of like showcasing that they had unleashed. Like, I I did think it was funny where they're like, you know, what are you going to do if you kill this guy? Like, no, you can't do it. Where I'm just like, I mean, you guys have made a big deal about how this is like their last resort is unleashing the marquee on him. Like, if he somehow yeah. beats the marquee and all his guys, they got nothing left to send after him. Yeah. But at the same time, well, playing it up like, if he kills him and all his guys, they'll just appoint somebody else and they'll have their own set of guys and they will just, Mm -hmm. so the only way to win is to kill everyone in this world. Yeah. One thing I really liked to, 
they brought in the, I forget is what they called him, but the guy, the tracker or whatever. Mr. Nobody. The, yeah. Who, um, I, you know, there were so many chances where he could have killed John wick, but his whole goal was I'm going to get the number high enough to make it worth killing John wick. You know, I thought that mm-hmm. was really, that was interesting that like, okay, you got the marquee, the marquee has this guy hired and he keeps bidding the price up. And then you've also got this guy who you're threatening his family, you know, it's like, okay, who are all the people that might be able to get John wick and let's get the leverage with them. But it didn't always work in his favor. So it was kind of a fun cat and mouse game to see, even like when they're all at the poker table, you know, and it's like, okay, all these people are here, they're ready to kill each other, but also they have to wait for the right moment. And John wick, kind of like you talked about with his relationships, his relationship with Donnie Yen's character is the reason he's able to get to the marquee because he's like, okay, we've got an understanding and, you know, we can make this work. So I really like, yeah, I like that, you know, kind of like you talked about this whole systems against them, but he's got enough leverage with these people um, that that is actually the thing that allows him to get to the heart of it and, and earn his freedom again. Yeah. I will say, you know, they did add a few things to this movie. Every movie they've added some weird thing. You know, like in the second movie, they're like, hey, there's markers. And in the third movie, they're like, this is an, um, is it an arbiter? What's it called? Yeah. the. I'll look it up. You keep going. Um, and then in this movie, they were like, we got to do one more ru- adjudicator. adjudicator. And then in this one, they were like, you know, what we need a harbinger. I was like, yeah, <laughs> you got to throw another cool title person, you know? So they threw that in there. Um I will say one scene that like really stood out and I think did to a lot of people was the dragon's breath shotgun scene Yeah, where they did a, they did a whole sequence from the God view, the top down um, with a a flaming shotgun. It was so rad. And I thought it was interesting. uh, My friend had mentioned so it's an homage in part to the game Hotline Miami. I forgot the name of the game. Hotline Miami. And they even like use some music to kind of pay homage to it and they use the camera angle, um, which is really cool. But yeah, I, I just think between like the nunchucks and between the God mode camera view, um, also the Arc de Triumph car scene was really awesome. And finally, um, the stair fight scene where they just said, you know how sometimes people fall downstairs? Well, we're just going to top that times five because we're going to have stunt people falling down, you know, like 300 steps at once. And it was so brutal, but kind of like we talked about the things that John Wick brought back to the action genre. And, you know, one of them is the gun foo. One of them is like the real showing the impact of all these hits and everything. But the other one is just like, John Wick, I mean, you know, he's a superhero, right? Like he doesn't, you know, he makes it through all these fights without dying, but he does get beat up. Like he gets hit by cars. He falls downstairs. He takes knives to the back. Like, and that's been a staple of the series. And that's, I think something else they brought back. Like, Hey, in an era of superhero movies where like, you know, these characters aren't going to die until it's convenient for us. Or, you know, they can only get so beat up anyway. Like this dude takes a beating all movie, you know, you talked about Liam Neeson running and like, oh, well, he looks old. He, you know, looks bad. The fence. Well, Keanu Reeves looks old running around. You know, the way he runs, it is very much like, oh, my goodness. I can't believe I just got hit with that and I still got to go. You know, so like it works for the story. It's like 
he's like shuffling away and it looks so pained because he's in so much pain. And that's something that's really cool about John Wick that a lot of action movies aren't really willing to do because as you do sequels, they have to be more bulletproof. And not that John Wick isn't, like he's literally got bulletproof clothes, but he's still, he takes a wallop, he takes a beating um, and he just has to keep going. Yeah. I would say like, if you take, if you want to compare again to um, Liam Neeson, right? They try to pull him off, like as like, oh, he's the old guy, but he's still got it. Whereas I feel like John Wick, they're like, he's old, he's past his prime, and people will mention it. Like you take the tracker, where I felt like, oh, the tracker is meant. I got the feeling that the tracker is what he used to be. He's like yeah. the best of the best. And he could in a straight fight probably beat Keanu or beat John Wick, but John Wick has the experience. And it's just like when they bring in Kane, Donnie Yen's character. I really mm-hmm. liked his character too because it shows um the uh he was off they were offered the same deal. And it's like this is what he would have been had he taken the deal, you know? Mm. Where Cause it, it implies that Kane went through a similar journey of getting himself to earn that kind of deal, you know, yeah. being ex- like fighting against the table, being offered the deal and then taking it. And this, and it, so it's like sets up John wick versus him and almost an alternate life where he took that deal to mm-hmm. um, versus going against the high table. And then you have the tracker who is like those guys when they were younger with all the same skills and like being able to, you know, kill all these guys without being seen or noticed, you know, and like help them out to try to get the numbers up, you know, and, uh, but not having that same experience and having both of them kind of be like, Hey, don't, don't take the deal. Like don't go down this road because you end up like one of us. These are the two only possible outcomes for this road. Mm-hmm. And then having that moment where at the end of the movie, where it seems like he's like, you know what? You guys are probably right. And he's just sipping a beer, watching the, watching it all unfold. Yeah. Yeah. Cool character. I can't believe they did the knife thing with his hand. Um, with the marquee jams a knife in his hand he's like all right you can pull the knife out or you can slide your hand through and uh, take the deal you know and it's like oh yikes yeah but i also like the like you know the marquis he fell at the end right he's doing all this manipulating to get other people to do his dirty work and then finally he's like okay okay i'm gonna take the glory i'm gonna go in for the kill shot it's like no dude that's not how this works you're an idiot you know yeah i think he's a great villain i will say I'm going to give this movie a pretty good rating. Like I said, I think it's the best of the series. Um, The one thing that kind of kept it a little bit, held it back just a little bit for me. I do think the middle hour, it's a three hour movie, which is a lot for an action movie, especially with as as much action as this one gets. I think the middle hour dragged just a little bit in certain parts, in particular, like the, the guy in the fat suit um, fight scene for me. That was just a little bit much. Like, I think that sequence is fine, but just that character, the way, you know, I don't know. I couldn't, it was, I didn't like the fat suit guy. I think that sequence was okay, but something about that portion of the movie, it it slowed just a little bit for me. And I was like, this is not quite as good as the first hour or the last hour was. Um, 
as good as they were. That that's just one thing that held it back just a little bit for me. Um, I don't know. What did you think about that one? I mean, I would agree that I feel like they tried to make him out. They went a little too far into that graphic novel realm where they were like, "Oh, it's got real campy fat for a little guy bit." That you can't. He's like super fast and strong, and he can't be killed. And it's like it was. How it was many just times do I have to because kill it's you? like I know this dude's in a fat suit, but you have him doing like cartwheels and backflips. I couldn't quite. You know, what? I'm just like, like this is not working he was for fighting. me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I, I do when you build up a. It's. I mean, it's the same. For me, it had the same feel of those armored guys where it's like when you have the whole thing of John Wick that he is the best, the best and he will kill you. It feels like, all right, come on, get on with it. You know, anytime it takes him a while, unless you can manage to make it out, you know, like the tracker where unless you establish that. Depending on the, the circumstances of the fight, John Wick may not win. You know, mm-hmm. but as soon as if it's like this kind of, it's like this guy's not going to kill John Wick, you know, like we all knew yeah. it. We all saw it coming a mile away. There was no like danger to him. It was just like it felt kind of like, um, oh, I, here's a good thing, because the same with the guys that have the armor, uh, the way I described it, Tiffany, it's like in a game, a video game where like the designers can't figure out how to make a fight difficult. Interestingly, so they just like mm. take the hit points and multiply it by 10 for all the bad guys. Yeah. So it's like, it's just a slog. It's like, you guys are not going to kill me unless I just get so worn out. Like the way you're going to beat me is by soaking up all my ammo and making mm-hmm. it so that I just don't want to play the video game anymore. And I felt like that was kind of how the armored guys in Parabellum or him. And this is, it's like the only way you win this is just by wearing him out yeah yeah so i mean that was kind of the one low point of the movie for me the rest of it i thought they absolutely nailed but you know they had to have a club fight scene because that's another staple of Mm -hmm. the series so that counted for the club fight scene um you know bass bumping i mean just like the sound and the visuals of this one i feel like they really went all out and you know they it's been good for the whole series, but I feel like they took it just a, a step further in this one. They were like, Hey, we're going to make this the prettiest John wick. We're going to make it, you know, top tier action as well. We're going to bring it back to like that more intimate roots. Um, Cause you know, two and three, so much of two and three, like the last half of two and the first couple hours of three are just a big chase scene. Like it's like, Hey, John wick, you better run. You better get out of here. And that's, you know, if this movie, if they're all two hours long, and this one's three hours long, that's six, that's nine hours. There's like a chunk of two and a half hours in the middle of this. That's just like John Wick running because literally everyone is after him. Yeah. And that was honestly for the pacing of two and three at times a problem. And in this one, they they added in a few scenes of just like vibe and aesthetic of like, OK, Winston is at Lance Reddick's grave and they're chatting for a little bit. Okay, the Marquis is doing something and he's scheming. Okay, it's John Wick and the Marquis debating the terms of the duel. You know, like they added in those bits to be like, hey, here's a little breather. We know it's three hours of action. So here's five or 10 minutes where you can hang out and it's just like these beautiful, beautifully framed shots. Now are you ready to get back to the action? Let's go. 
And I think that was a brilliant move on their part because the first one has that as well. You know, there's breaks in between of like, okay, well, what is, what is Willem Dafoe up to? Okay. John Wick, he's got to, he's got to reload and figure out his next move. And you know, that takes a minute. So I'm glad they did that. I think it, um, it helped the movie a lot. Cause I mean, I think the original cut of this was like four hours long or something. And they were like, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was way too much. We cut out a bunch of dialogue and stuff, <laughs> you know, and a few action scenes as well. And, um, trimmed it to the right spot, but here's the thing for a three hour action movie. It goes down pretty smooth. I would say. Oh yeah. I definitely, I didn't notice the extra hour, honestly. Um, you know, yeah. like I got to that point where I was like, oh, normally they'd be wrapping up. And I was like, I'm so glad there's an extra hour to this movie. Let me tell you, Cody, mm-hmm. if there's one thing you know about me is that I ain't one of these nerds. All right. I don't like that. You know, these nerds out here. Let me talk about these losers. All right. If you play D&D, you're a loser. OK, but I tell Obviously, you one thing this. I'll say about this uh, movie is I feel like it does the thing that I think all the really great especially like action movies do where they take a trope from like some of that storytelling where it's like, all right, there's a main goal. Okay. Well, I can't do that. Okay. Well go to talk to these people. They can help you do the thing, but then they want you to do a thing. Okay. I'm going to go do the thing. Now I got to get back to do the other thing. So it's bad when you have like 18 layers of things you've got to do. It's good when it's mm-hmm. like, I need to do one or two things for one or two people to be able to do my main thing. But you never at any mm-hmm. point lose the main goal, you know? But like, you know, it may, I feel dirty having said it. Because Cody, I, let's talk about this, Cody. These D&D yeah. nerds, bunch of losers. Okay, oh, Let's talk about hunting and fishing and how much cooler that is, okay? Yep. You know, you got to hear... You could, Cody, let's, you can save money if you're like hunting and fishing, you know, you don't got to buy food. All right. You're out here buying what dice waste of money. Okay. You're wasting your Uh time. You're wasting your money. Like all these losers going out to see this Dungeons and Dragons movie could have been seeing John Wick four. Okay. Uh It could have been. Absolutely. You know, that's why no one wants to date you, Cody. I'm so mad. I'm so mad about that, by the way, because they talked about like John Wick 4. They're like, hey, perform great at the box office. Great job, John Wick. You nailed it. Everyone's talking about your movie. Then the next week, Dungeons and Dragons came out. And they're like, hey, Dungeons and Dragons had a pretty good showing. Totally knocking John Wick 4 out of the water. It makes me so mad. It's like, dude, you cannot compare any R-rated movie to a PG-13 movie in terms of box office. That's the whole reason they make movies PG-13 is so that it has a wide enough audience to get a better box office. Whereas John Wick is out here you can do well as an already to movie and make as much money as they did in their first weekend, then you're doing awesome. So, I mean, dollars to donuts. When you put in the handicap, John Wick did awesome. In the box office. I'm so mad. And then literally the next weekend, they were like super Mario friggin' uh, way more box office than stupid, dumb Dungeons and Dragons over there. So dumb. They made that movie. Mario is the best movie. And you're like, really there's diminishing returns. Cause John Wick, I think is better than <laughs> is better than Dungeons and Dragons, which is better than the Mario movie. But then we're out here trying to, you know what I'm saying? One has more broad audience than the other. So what are you even going to do? Uh, anyway, you know, I mean, I don't that watch off my chest. Movies, Cody. I watch Let's talk cool about this, Tyler. I got to I got to ask you. Mm-hmm. So like I told you, I was expecting a fifth John Wick movie. Now, this movie ends with John Wick dying on the steps of thingy at Paris, having a euphoric moment um, of remembering his time with his wife and feeling free once again, which once again, I mean. Look, they pulled a rabbit out of the hat. They were like, here's two hours and 45 minutes of hardcore action. 
Now here's four minutes of, you know, hey, let's let's tie off this story for our, our sweet, our sweet friend Keanu. All right. Now, is he dead? Do you think he's really dead? Are they going to do another movie? What would it look like? What are your thoughts? Because people have opinions on this. They're like, that's not a real grave. What kind of idiot would believe that's a real grave? Did he fake his own death just to go in hiding to actually have his peace? What are you thinking? So I think... Are they going to bring him back? Here's what I think is going to happen. I'm not necessarily happy about this, but I told Tiffany, like, will they make more movies in this universe or TV shows or anything? One million percent. Will they get worse and worse as time goes on to the point where they're just atrocious and then there's a reboot of the franchise that is like, oh my gosh, why did we ever like that old garbage movie? 100%. Will I watch every single movie along that trail? Yes. I will not miss one of them. Here's what I think is going to happen as they milk Keanu's teats for all they're worth. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. They've got a couple characters that they can pin this franchise on going forward. They've got the tracker and they've got Kane. You know, uh-huh. I think those are the two. You know, you can have you can still have Winston and the Bowery King. You know, you can do TV shows of all of them. You can have a Harbinger. I want an office like sitcom based around uh-huh. the Harbinger. All right. Yes. Um, I want Tom Kinney to play the Harbinger secretary. That's what no. I want. Okay. No. Do you, don't yeah. do the weird thing and have him do the SpongeBob voice. Tom Kinney is a good actor. Just have him yeah. be a, like a, you know, a secretary type dude, like an assistant guy and have yeah. it be those who know, know. And that's, what's funny about it. Everybody's like, well, about Roger, don't bring Roger into this. Roger looks like a cartoon character. You cannot bring him in on this one. Okay. I'm sorry, yeah. Roger. can't bring it in. Um, so you pin it on them. You also have, um, Akira who's, uh, the daughter, you know, you can pin stuff on her, you know, did so you see that? Yes. Did you stay for the stinger? Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm saying. So that, like that was a stinger. You got those people, you can pin it on them. Do you going to have a movie? Maybe even two movies. No Keanu Reeves. They're like, mm, they reference him much, you know, maybe like, Oh, you know, this is why we're doing this or this is we, you know, he would have, what would he have done and all that, you know, like reference him like he's Jesus, you know? And then there's going to be a moment. There's going to be a moment where they're like, Oh man, you know, I'm at my, I'm at the bottom. I can't get past this. You know, what do I do? I'm at, I'm, I'm at the low point, right? I'm at, I'm John wick when he's been shot off the roof by his best buddy. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, Someone's going to come along and they're going to be like, I know a guy. And they're going to come in. It's the end of the movie. Okay. Yeah. All right. They're going to go in and there's going to, they're going to go to like this nice little cottage in the countryside of somewhere sitting there in like a rocking chair on the porch. What's it going to be? Sipping his tea like a nerd. Maybe you see like a, there's maybe a, another lady somewhere inside. You see someone go inside, like this nice lady go inside or something, you know, but boom, there he is, Keanu Reeves, and they're going to lock eyes. And then the movie's going to end. All right. Or something like that. Okay. And then there's going to be a movie where he's like, I'm out. I can't go back. And he's not going to come uh-huh. back or unless they want to ruin the franchise completely, then he'll come back and it won't be good yeah. because he'll be 10 years older by that point. 
Yeah. But what's going to happen is he's going to be like, I'm not going to come back, but he's going to be the Winston. He's going to be the old guy. He's going to be the Bowery King for the other person where he's like, I don't, I can't help you, but I can give you someone who can, or I can give you the resources. I can give you a gun, but I can't assassinate this guy for you. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's a good assessment. Do you, so the plans, there is a movie, a spinoff coming out next year called ballerina. It's speculated that Ana de Armas will star in it. And also I have been told, and we're in spoiler town. So if you don't want to know, say something, you know, but, uh, Keanu Reeves, it does, is in the movie. And I've heard it's not just the cameo. Like kids a significant bit in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Lance Reddick also shot scenes for it, um, right before he passed. And, um, and then there is a Peacock three-part series about Winston's character's origin story. Um, and it's just going to be like three 90 minute episodes about the, that hotel. Um, anyway, so that's, what's going on. I was right. They were contracted for five movies, five John wick movies. And the studio was like, Hey, we're super stoked about number four. And, um, we're projecting it to do well. Why don't you just shoot four and five back to back or at least four this year, five next year, you'll be good to go. And the director was like, really appreciate that they are willing to back both movies really nice to them. I can only focus on one movie at a time and I give it my all, give it my everything. Then I take a break. I reassess. I see what is new and exciting and interesting and of the moment. And then I make the next movie, you know? So they were like, yeah, so we're just doing four. So, I mean, you know, it's like, okay, entirely possible. They bring it back. I think to your point, it might be, it should be like, they should probably leave him. They won't, but they should leave him there because they tidied off so neatly. But John Wick, Chapter 5, Baba Yaga, that's what it should be called. And um, it should be like he's got a friend that needs to do an impossible task. And he, because of the loyalty thing, the sympathy thing, he inserts himself and he, you know, helps someone do something like that. And that's it. You know, I think that's how they could do it. Um, But it's got to be like a faked death if they do that. But it's so much better for the story if it's just like, no, he's done. To your point, John Wick, you did a great job with this. How much? Each movie is more taxing, more difficult than the last. So how is he going to do this? You know, if they wait two or three years to shoot it, just like they did with the previous movie, how are they going to pull him out, of, you know, out to do an even more challenging film? You know, so that's mm-hmm. they take months to shoot these. So much work, so much choreography. He does so many of his own stunts. You know, it it's a tough sell for me. Yeah, I think they did a great job with the fourth installment and leaving it in a place where it's like, I'd be satisfied if they left it. As sad as I am to see like, the end of that character's arc, you know? I think the best way that they could do it without it coming across as like Goku coming back kind of attitude, mm-hmm. you know, would be yeah. to, oh, there's something else I didn't notice just a side note. Cause I've got like the trailer has been playing, you know, all the like IMDb stuff's playing when the harbinger comes and like hands them the letter, it says that the mm-hmm. um, place is going to get, blown up he's missing his ring finger mm. so you know because i did feel like the harbinger felt like a cool character that he was not above the marquee but he didn't serve him necessarily he was like beside him in the he was like, a high higher. table guy who had to oversee the business of the marquee yeah doing his thing or something like, like that. yeah the marquee's an enforcer kind of character but the harbinger is like i you know I speak for the table kind of guy. Yeah. He's like an emissary or an auditor or something like that. Yeah. 
He's like, I can't overrule anything you say, but if you step out of line, you know, I'm the guy that tells them to kill you kind of person, which I thought yeah. it made him a cool character, even though he was. And I made, I think they made a good job of making it seem like he was the boss of the adjudicator kind of characters. Like he was the, mm. he was the, the top dog of those types of people. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think the way that they could bring him back, but without bringing him back would be to kind of reference him or have them say like reference his memory right in you know trying to get maybe Kane to help somebody or someone else to help somebody and then say you know like I know someone who can help but never show him you know just like reference him offering Mm. help sending someone like a friend a mutual friend told me you needed help that kind of stuff like Leave it kind of like how at the end of Batman, you know, where they're like, did did Bruce Wayne survive? <laughs> did he die? You know, mm. or did, you know, yeah. does uh, do they just want him to have survived? Kind of have it the same kind of thing where it's like, did he survive? Is this just a nameless, like, whoever, you know, or is it John Wick mm-hmm. who faked his death and now he's um, helping from a yeah. distance as best he can? Because I think, you know, towards the end there, there was, I've, feel like personally that there was kind of the attitude of he was moving into, you know, like the tracker did a good job. I felt like of driving at home where he was moving out of the active assassin time of his life and into the like Winston. I should be, you know, had I not gotten out, I should be running a hotel kind of period of his life, you know? Yeah, where I'm, he's not necessarily going to be able to do these prolonged fight scenes or fight sequences mm-hmm. in the world for much longer. You know, and these younger people are better at fighting, but he's got more experience. Which I felt like they had a good job of, like Donnie B or uh, Kane being blind, but coming across as like the guy who was the older one. Like they were friends, but he may have been the one who kind of taught. John Wick, some of his stuff. Yeah. Um, a mentor type friend. And it being like he could they fight and maybe John Wick's got some advantage, but he's got he just knows more, you know, he's got more experience. Uh, yeah. So what do you think about that? What do you think about like teen it up where they never show him or they only ever show him well, like from behind or something, you know, where I don't know. I mean it's like my thing is like, if they're going to do a fifth John Wick movie, it's got to be about John Wick, you know? Yeah. I mean, if they want to use him in that way, what? I just don't think it's, you know, it's as satisfying <laughs> to be like, I don't, uh, whatever. What about this? What? I don't know. Maybe a little fifth and maybe they won't. I hope the spinoffs are good. Um, I know at least the action will be great, you know, and that's something, but it was really cool that they got to do a character arc and um, wrap it up for John Wick, you know? Oh yeah. Um, whatever. Here's what I think is going to happen. It's going to come out and it's going to be like John wick five colon requiem or something, you know, or yeah, you know, something like I that. I think it should be cool. Yeah. Where it's going to be. I mean, unless John wick they movie. did John wick, unless they did John wick five and they call it Baba Yaga or they call it impossible task or something. And they show, you know, and they're like, hey, we're going to do the impossible task movie, you know? So it's like, hey, he is canonically dead, but look, here's, here's a throwback movie showing how he, how he first got out. We can add some more stuff with the girl and be like, 
you know, and, and make it worth it that way. So, I mean, you could also do it that way. Yeah. I feel, I feel so good right now about this Requiem thing because I mean, there's the Requiem, which is, you know, the whole thing, but I mean, it's also doubles as the Catholic mass for a dead person. So it would be just like the consequences of him dying or like the kind of prologue of Mm -hmm. his story and what the, the fallout from it all is. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think that's going to be the subtitle. I'll be honest. <laughs> I'm going to put money Requiem. down. That that's the subtitle of it. Um, yeah. But whether or not he makes a reappearance versus just being referenced or seen through flashbacks is another mm-hmm. story. Yeah. I don't know. Curious. Very curious with you. Like I said, I was, I heard it announced they were doing five movies. So I was ready for this one to tee something up. And then it ended. I was like, no, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I wasn't ready, but I also saw like how well the action had peaked. I'm like, I also get it. Like you can, you can only keep doing this for so long. You know, it'd be one thing if this was Chris Evans, you know, if you based your franchise around Chris Evans, but like, no, you base it around Keanu Reeves and it's like super demanding stunts. Yeah. Anywho, we're, we're a little over. Um, I've got this pesky bedtime to get to, Um, but I do want to know. What would you rate it? Give me your grade. I mean, you know, it's definitely joining the steel book collection, which is its own grade that I give, right? Which is my full yes. stamp of approval. But at the same time, gotta give it a letter grade. I'm gonna say I'm gonna go A plus because this is a movie I'm gonna watch over and over and over again for years to come. Mm. Um, I think of I, uh, all of them, this one is tied for the first one as the one that I'm just gonna put in the DVD player on a whim. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of talked about, here's the thing. I walked out of the theater and I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it an A minus. And, um, having talked about it and having reviewed my grades of the previous John Wick movie, <laughs> I've got to give it an A, uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, my one gripe was that middle lagged a bit, but it didn't lag so much that it took away from the movie. Number two, I gave the original John Wick an A and I told you this one was better but I don't think it's the, it's not quite the perfect or nigh unto perfect film that earns an A plus in my book. I'm going to give it a solid A. Um, they did a great job. Tyler, if you want to know what you rated the previous John Wick movies, uh, it was, uh, for me, it was an A and then two A minuses. And for you, I think it was an A plus an A plus and an A minus for one, two and three respectively. Yeah. So, and that A minus is entirely due to the armored guys, which I feel the like they guys. treated much better in this one. I agree. Cause the first one, they just got agree. shot you know, and they showed it pinging off their armor. And in this one, it was like, Oh, Hey, we're stabbing people at the neck. And then that, you know, that's one way to do it. Like you said, they showed the blunt force trauma and, you know, they did some other stuff with them, which is great. Yeah. But I mean, shout out to this director. They've totally changed the game. And what's more is that they've done four of these movies and every time they've done something new and interesting, you know, that they haven't done before while also saying, hey, all the staples of the series that you love, we're still churning those out and upping the ante every single time, which is so hard to do. And it's hard to do and also give it a little narr- give it like a reasonable narrative too. And like, 
for as absurd as these movies get, like I said, they brought it back to John Wick in this one and gave him like a really pure moment, you know, which is like, oh, man, you reminded us why we all were interested in this series in the first place and uh, what makes the franchise great. So really hats off to the team. What cool dudes and dudettes that put this thing together. Yeah, I definitely think they they set out in like a behind the scene interview thing. They talk about um, wanting John Wick to be. He is a bad person. He's a monster, but you like him and you root for him no matter what. And I feel like they nailed it 100 percent, pretty much better than almost anyone else. I've ever seen. Right. But yeah, I. I love these movies. I love that. I love the story of how these movies got made to where um, it was the a writer, like the kind of inventor of the story sent it to Keanu Reeves um, to get made. And then Keanu Reeves was like, I am making, is it Chad and is it Derek and Chad? I can't remember the two guys who are like co-directors. But only one of them is ever accredited as director, but they co-directed yeah. the movies. Um, the one Chad Stileski, yeah, written by Derek Kolstad as well. Which I think, if he is he the one that worked him and Chad co? No, 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 no. Um, trying to remember who the other guy is. He's like a he's credited as like a producer, but he's a co-director. He's the one he went on. He actually went and Chad has focused on these movies. The other guy has gone and directed um like I think the Deadpool Deadpool 2 um and several I others. Think you're thinking of David Leach. Um It's definitely Which I forget not how they interlap. Of, but Oh, uh, well David Leach did one of the Deadpools and he did Bullet Train and he did he was Brad Pitt's stuntman. And okay, so chat. Okay, here's what's weird about it David Leach was Brad Pitt's stuntman, and now he's directing Brad Pitt movies that are awesome action comedy films. Chad Stileski was Keanu Reeves' stuntman in the Matrix movies, and now is directing Keanu Reeves in awesome action movies. So they are here's the thing those two guys founded a stunt company. That's Mm -hmm. so there's a whole, there's a really cool documentary type. They're shorter, but they're talk about their story and um, especially on the first one, because so they founded what is described by a lot of people as like the premier stunt group um, for like a lot of the best stunt teams and the stunt coordinators come from this uh, company that they made. And mm-hmm. they've uh, done a lot of Keanu Reeves movies, like if you look through this company's history. So, but they're two guys who were stuntmen, but it is interesting because one of them was a stuntman. The other guy, the way they got him into it was he was like something else. And they they were like, like he was a, like a businessman or something. I don't know. And then they're like, Hey, we're going to found a stunt company. Do you want to come? Like they were in like a, a fight club or something. I don't know, basically together. And they're like, do you want to come do this? He's like, sure. And now he's like one of the most famous stuntmen and directors in the world. And it's like, what? (laughs) They were just like, you want to come? so crazy. But their story is crazy. But Keanu Reeves talking about how he got the script from um, the guy who wrote the original screenplay and uh, the idea for the story and the characters. Because he was like, you know, the fact that Keanu Reeves also has like the real relationship with all these people that John Wick has is very funny to me. 
mm-hmm. but that he got it and was like, these two guys I need because they had been playing with the idea of jumping into directing. And yeah. he w- had been pushing them to do it. And he was like, this is the perfect project. And I just say it's interesting that Keanu Reeves, one of the m- you universally loved actors in and out of the industry, right? Mm-hmm. Was like, I'm going to throw every single ounce of my pull in this industry to get these guys and to hear them talk about like yeah he sent it over and we thought about it and they were like hey you know we were thinking maybe we could direct it and then you see then they cut to them interviewing keanu reeves and he's like and i was like yes like he incepted them he's like hey you know guys i think you know you know you guys i think this would be a great movie for you to be involved on you know and just like send it over to them like oh yeah Yeah. maybe you know, and then in separate conversations was like, you guys should direct a movie sometime. You know, you guys should really go for it. If I just find the right project, yeah. like maybe one I sent you last week, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> just like well, them being like, yeah, it was our idea. And him being like, I absolutely convinced them to do this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's what's cool. So, yeah. So the original John Wick was directed by Chad Stileski and David Leach. We talked about yeah. both stunt stunt doubles for very famous actors now directing movies mm-hmm. written by Derek Kolstad. So, yeah, no, it is a super cool story. And I mean, good Chad Stileski and what he's done. And you look at David Leach, like Deadpool, this guy directed Deadpool. I forget if it was one or two, but and then he directed Hobbs and Shaw. Like mm-hmm. he is kind of he's also setting a new standard for like, hey, if you're going to do a movie with cool action and good comedy, this is what you need to do. I'm doing Bullet Train. I'm doing Hobbs and Shaw. I'm doing Deadpool. And so that is also kind of setting its own thing where it's like, hey, these are great stunts, but also the comedy is on point in all these movies. And I feel like Chad Selesky is like, hey, do you want good stunts? But also we'll give you a little story and some awesome cinematography with it, too. That's what we're doing, you know, which is really cool way to get, you know. Because if this movie didn't have the cinematography, didn't have like the stunt. I mean, the, you know, just the prestige of how awesome the stunts and the fighting is this movie would suck, you know, it just, oh, yeah. it wouldn't be any good. And you see so many people try to like, let's throw together an action movie. I don't know. We'll lose some explosions. We'll do some a big car chase, whatever. It's fine. He'll say cool action uh, lines. He'll say cool stuff when he kills the people, you know, but they're saying no, we, we, you know, we've got a whole other bar we're working with and it makes, I don't know. It just makes for a great movie. Here's the funniest thing, right? Chad, uh, Selinsky. Because he's only really directed, I think as far as feature films, the yes, he's only really directed the feature film, the the John Wick movies. So when you go to his IMDb, uh-huh. it doesn't even show it like he's not listed as a director. He's a an actor and a stunt coordinator and a producer. He's just been a stunt coordinator on like everything from Sherlock Holmes to Hunger Games to the Wolverine to, you know. Which that Deadpool. goes back to, like I was saying, that's that company that they found it together that does it um yeah and this so they kind of do the different levels so i think they're both Tron, legacy iron yeah. man 2 so like all the movies racer. with cool stunts basically and like yeah well 300 fights. v for vendetta oh my God. mr mrs smith spider-man oh. 2 yeah but i do think find Corky it funny Romano. stu's been doing stunts since i mean he was the stunt double for you know in the matrix but i mean this dude's been like churning out stunts since 1993 yeah. and now here he is he's been at, he started as a stunt double then he was a stunt coordinator then he was an assistant unit director and now he's just like a full-fledged director churning out john wick movies 
Yeah. Which it is funny to hear. Like I said, John, uh, Keanu Reeves talk about him and how he's like, oh, these guys have always been good. Like he's like ever since they worked with him in like the Matrix or whatever. He's like, they've always been good enough to direct. And he's always like since then, I guess, like since the 90s been pushing them to do this. And they were always, you know, I mean, it's so funny because it's such a normal thing of like a friend pushing another friend like yeah go for the promotion oh i don't know if i can do it man i don't think i'm really qualified for that no no you got this mate and then finally like tricking them into doing it and then like yeah you know i decided it was time and he was like i decided it was time for you to do it (laughs) yeah and it's just really funny but um it is interesting to see i think these two guys will be you know they're gonna join like some of the greatest directors out there but i think it's interesting that they're obviously headed for two very different camps of director Mm-hmm. where David, I think, is going to be one who's very, like, kind of like a, you know, like comparing, like, David, uh, uh, Steven Spielberg to um, Scorsese. Sure, yeah, Scorsese. Yeah, I was trying to think of someone who doesn't put out movies. Like, one's going to put them out, like, great movies way less often because, like you said, he focuses 100% on it, takes a break, then does his next one versus... One just going like to constantly churning one out. Yeah, Tarantino's Spielberg who's doing one. a movie every every year, every eighteen months at least, and then Tarantino who's doing one movie every three to five years. But like it's, yeah, all he works on. Yeah, so I think that's kind of it. Does, I'm interested to see if Chad Slitsky stays in and just keeps continuing to, like, how long does he make movies in this universe? Because I feel like there's a hundred movies you can make in this universe, kind of like star Wars where you could make movies forever. Mm -hmm. None of them would feel the same. None of them would even have to reference each other. They all do, of course, and they all do feel the same, but you could not do that. The same with this one. Like you could make a movie, you could make like an anthology series where you go and have, um, you know, like a big HBO style, big budget where it's like an hour, 90 minutes per where it's just, different hotels and like a week at each hotel sure you know and like follow maybe pick one or two assassins that are coming through follow them for their thing follow like you could have ones that are more funny they focus more on the day-to-day of the staff you know you could make all these different styles of things in this universe or you could just kind of say all right we're going to leave that behind and we're going to make different movies you know i'm interested to see what where he goes in the future yeah Absolutely. Do you know David Leach um, as is a national competitor in kickboxing? Anywho, that's fun. So if the directing doesn't pan out, he can just you know. I mean, if the directing doesn't pan out, these two guys are still like some of the best stunt coordinators in the world, right? You know, they'll continue to man, do that. dude. All right, look, we rated these movies. I'm past my bedtime, and uh, I gotta get going. But look, if you like action movies, you can't do better than John Wick. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? These are top tier. You got to check them out. If you can catch this one in theaters, uh, please do, because it was awesome. I was so happy I got to see this in theaters. It was just such a treat. Yeah, it's a good movie. I mean, that's the end of the day. It's awesome. If you want good fight scenes that are kind of similar. If you're itching for it and you don't want to rewatch all the John Wicks, I'd recommend Ip Man. It's a lot of subtitles. There's a lot of cool fight and you get to see Donnie playing yeah. the guy that trained uh, Bruce Lee. It's pretty good. Well, thank you so much for listening. You can find us and share us where you find your podcasts. You can 
hit us up on social media at Opinion Havers. And until next time, watch movies and have opinions. Tyler, I need you to go in the room next to me and explain to Bailey that it's not my fault that I'm late. Just, you know. I need you to absorb her fury. Her just anger. tell her that we I were talking to, about work. I need you to take the blows for me. All right. I need be my meat shield. I mean, 